expressed on this podcast as well as all episodes of the Grateful Thread podcast are solely host opinions. Our content should not be taken as indisputable and is for entertainment purposes. Hey Threadheads, welcome to the Grateful Thread podcast where we're creating a community for cool quilting newbies and experienced quilters to unite. Pull up a seat because you can always sit with us. We're your hosts. I'm Lacey Messerly of Messy Quilts, and I love cold pizza. Like frozen pizza? No, like <laughs> I ate pizza last night, and it was like in the fridge, and then oh, I like had leftover pizza. Leftover cold pizza. Um, my dad used to have leftover pizza, and he'd put mustard on it. What? And I forgot about that until recently, and that's a vibe. It is Just really yellow mustard, Just like on like leftover cheese pizza. All right, challenge accepted. Best thing ever. <laughs> I'm Ashlyn Downs of Urban Dwell Studio, and I'm a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. What business number are you on? Um, I think this is eight. Podcast is number eight. <laughs> yeah, podcast is number eight. But not for lack of success. Um, yeah, like they were great. I just got a little bored or wanted to sprinkle in another thing and then would always like slowly transition mm-hmm. into a new business. Well, I'm happy we're here. Thanks. <laughs> Well, you guys just enjoy it for as long as it lasts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have four more businesses on the back burner. Just. So when that one starts creeping up, then we're going to say sayonara. Yeah, I'll jump real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us behind. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I will be here. Uh, tell me about merch, Ash. Um, our merch is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are listening to this and it is coming out in October. But if you're a couple of days late, we have extended this deal and we're going to be doing a free sticker with any merch purchase. So Til you don't need a code. It's just mm-hmm. included in the checkout. When you go to find your shirt or mm-hmm. item, it'll just be, it, it's pretty obvious where it is. It's yep. part of a drop down menu. Yep. It'll be there. Free sticker through the end of the year. So it's a good time to get your Christmas gifts on. Yep. We have some hoodies and some crew necks <laughs> and they are pretty cute and not traditional quilter mm-hmm. t-shirts, which yep. is basically what we've done from the beginning for this podcast. <laughs> Everything's kind of non-traditional. We are still rocking the skulls mm-hmm. and... I mean, let's be honest. The merch came first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, at the time of recording this, there, there's there been a little bit more interest. But with QuiltCon coming up, and if you're traveling with your significant other, and with Christmas coming up, you need to get them a official quilt holder t-shirt. Yeah. So, go you know, check those out. I did a poll, out. and the top two favorite in that group was the official quilt holder and the thread life. But nobody's gotten the official quilt holder, so <laughs> you need to get it. That's so funny. Yep. Yeah. Get it for your partner. Yep. Official quilt holder. Uh, Ash, before we get started on our episode, I want to take a quick moment and read one of these reviews. This is from Holly Hennessy, which is... Pretty much the coolest name ever. <laughs> I thought it sounded like a cool 1920s movie goddess. Yeah. And... She sounds stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, Holly says, fun and relatable. This podcast is fun to listen to and very relatable as a quilter of nine years. Love all the topics covered and fun guests you have on. Cute. Thanks, Holly. Thank you, Holly, for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sitting with us. All right. 
Um, so for today's episode, we are super stoked to introduce you to our next guest, and we'll get into more about her in just a moment. Hey, Threadheads. Today we have a guest who we are honored to call a friend and is someone that the quilting community has fallen deeply in love with. We met in person at QuiltCon and became fast friends, and we have loved watching her grow her business. Friends, please welcome the other and final member of our Fireball Quilter group, Jenneth of Pasadena Quilt Studio. Yay! Hi, guys. Hello, Thanks and for welcome. having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to start us off, how let's tell here your side of how we met. We've got Taylor. My Christine. side. Tell us oh how my goodness. We met. Um, okay, let me try to remember. Um, let's see. I saw you guys walking. I'm trying to remember this at QuiltCon. And I was like, who are those girls? I've never met those girls. Who are those girls? And I think that that was the night that we were having, um, Taylor was having kind of a group of us get together. Cause I'm part of her team of, I'm one of her collaborators for her quilt, her business, um, at the shop. I'm one of the shop collaborators. And we saw you guys at the West End, and I was like, "Who's who's who are those people? I've never met them." And you guys were jovial and like had like smiles, and I was like, "Are those extra other extroverted quilters? Do I need to go over and like talk to the other two extroverts here?" Because <laughs> I'm like one of the only ones. Um, but yeah, so we met that night, and yeah, ended up going out. Like that's kind of what I remember, and I really didn't drink that much, but. Yeah, just, yeah, we can edit that out. It sounded like we just got wasted, but I think all of us were just high off life. I for sure was not actually drunk because no, me neither. There's no way. It was promised. Yeah, we were having so much fun. And it was so on the fly, too. Like, I don't, I don't want to finish this conversation. Let's go find a bar somewhere. Walking in Atlanta. <laughs> and then we dropped you off at your hotel at what was it 3 a.m it was late it was yeah so and late. thank you so much for walking me yeah, my husband not, appreciates that yeah, you're like not, you're you're not, not walking, walking the streets alone in Atlanta um, by yourself yeah no you're not yeah <laughs> yeah I kind of felt like the not the I refuse to call myself the mom because you know I'm the I'm the I'm the aunt like I consider myself like the aunt of the quilty community right now because most of my friends are in their 30s um some of them even in their 20s a handful in their early 40s but I just turned 51 so I just consider myself like the cool aunt that's what I'm hoping to be anyway um the cool aunt that sounds so obnoxious but anyway yeah so it just yeah we just clicked so quickly like I just had that kinship with you guys both of you right away um it was so fun that night for us all to go out and then Taylor and I she was one of the first um people that I connected with with my business and actually um, on my, oh, I celebrated my two year anniversary on Friday of my store. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm waiting to celebrate for a little bit because I'm in the middle of having, um, some work done. I have a back issue, so I'm actually going to start rehab in a little bit. So I decided I would wait until probably October to do like a big celebration. But, um, on the second day that I opened my business, I had made a, the open road quilt for my nephew Cruz for his graduation gift. And he, um, got a bunch of photographs taken of him with his quilt in um, Joshua tree. And so I had the, just the mo- the coolest photos. So I put up that kit and Taylor shared it on her page. And I was just so honored. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, she noticed me. And she, and that <laughs> right. really, it's one of my best selling kits. And I still have it up on my site actually two years later um, because um, I really consider Taylor one of the people that helped launch my store that, that week. So it's really, was really fun to see her in person 
we have a lot of similarities. I feel like she could be my little sister. And then Christina and I have talked for, you know, been talking since before I started my business as well. So it was just fun to see them. And then for you guys, I was like, <laughs> yes, here we are. <laughs> so much fun. You guys, you keep me young. Thank you for keeping me young. Speaking of being young. Um, yeah. I think our listeners love to know the generational context of our sure. interviewees. Tell us about what life stage you're in currently and a bit about your family. Sure. Um, so I I'm 51. I'm Gen X. Um, my, I've been married. We just celebrated our 27th wedding anniversary and my, I have two boys. One, my youngest is 22. My oldest turns 24 this month. Um, we live in Pasadena, LA area. So they're both living at home, still very expensive to get out there and rent on your own. So we've got, I don't really have an empty nest, but they're living their own lives. Kind of. So yeah, they're independent. So that's, that's me. Yeah. That's the stage of life. We're in a couple little dogs and, um, we haven't purchased, purchased a home here yet. And we're looking to do that probably in the next year. So then we'll be a little bit more settled, but yeah, we just love it here. So that's what, Are you and I'm originally from Oregon, actually, okay, we moved enough. here, um, 18 years ago for my husband to go to seminary. Actually, he was a pastor. He's not a pastor anymore, but um, there's a large interdenominational seminary in Pasadena called Fuller Theological Seminary. And we actually moved here with our little boys in tow, moved away from our white picket fence house and moved into student housing and kind of started our life over in California. Um, and now we love it and it's our home. It's wonder We love living here. Yeah. So great. Um, so what is your background? Have you always been business minded? So I, that was a good question. I, um, my background is interesting. Um, I kind of, I didn't finish college young. I actually finished college when I was 42. Um, and I kind of fell into jobs. Um, I got, had a little bit of college under my belt and then I, um, got recruited to work somewhere as a project manager, if I'm remembering this right. And I kind of started going down the direction of being a business person, but without my degree, um, and I worked at um, banking. So I was, I was young, I was probably 22 and I was a senior loan officer at a bank. Um, and then I got recruited by a friend who worked at a local college. Um, he was a financial aid director and I started working in financial aid of all things um, for a college in Salem, Oregon. And, um, and then I did that until I had my kids and I stayed home for eight and a half years. And then I went back to work after that. So business-minded, um, you know, I, I do remember as a little kid, like, you know, I, I would do more like I would have a get all these kids together and we would do a play and then I would like charge the whole neighborhood to come and watch and things like that. <laughs> um, but other than that, I didn't really well. consider myself really business-minded until um, when COVID hit, my best friend was opening up a, a, a she was opening up a um, shaved ice business attached to her dad's trampoline park. and. Um, I helped her launch that and kind of did a small business plan and did all that type of stuff. And my degree that I got when I was 42, um, is in business management. So I do have that. Yeah. Once I started studying business and a lot of it around, um, organizational change management and things like that, I knew that that was the direction I wanted to go for the rest of my career. So when I helped her launch her small business, I thought, gosh, I would love to have a small business, but my mind had never had like, what would it be? It's like, I was grasping at straws of what that, what would I actually do? Um, I thought about starting a consulting business, but it, I, yeah, none of that ever really came to fruition. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the answer. That's a that's super a cool answer. route 
to that because most people go through school and then go and get the experience, but you did the experience and then got the opportunity to apply your education yes. specifically to the context that you had already lived. Yes. I feel like that would be super valuable. Mm-hmm. And and I would say too, even the way I'm like the, the things that I've learned from every job um, I've worked my last couple of jobs I worked. Um, so I've worked in higher ed. I worked in higher ed in financial aid and in student services for about 15 years Um, And then I worked in tech for about five months. It was a really quick um, jaunt to being a project manager for um, the president of a very quickly growing um, tech startup. Um, And I learned a lot about business being on the inside of that C-level suite. I was at all the meetings and listening to them grow this, you know, this multi-billion dollar company. Um, I learned a lot from there. And so when I started working in my business, I noticed that like, Hey, Canva, I've already used that to do X, Y, Z. So I'm going to use that to my quilt inserts and, you know, all. So really, truly, like all of my experience, including my schooling has been how I've been able to grow my business and my brand is that experience first, which is really exciting because I, it makes it easy. You know, like when you have, you know, that this is your experience, it just, it just, it flowed naturally. I didn't have to fight for it. If that makes sense. Instead of problem solve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about how you got started in quilting? Were you sure. quilting all along and juggling the career or is that a new? <laughs> yeah. Thing? So my, <laughs> um, I started, I learned how to sew from home ec in eighth grade. And one of my, one of the things our teacher would say when you get frustrated, the machine is walk away from your fabric. If you're frustrated, walk away from your fabric. And I use that phrase in my life for everything and always have. Like if I was getting frustrated on an account I was working on for financial aid, I would stand up from my desk and go, everybody, I'm walking away from my fabric and like (laughs) get up and walk out of the room. Um, So I find it funny that this is the direction I went, but no, I made one or two like patchwork quilts when my son Colby was born. So that was 2001 um, because I was bored and my mother-in-law had just started quilting. So she was in her forties and she had just started quilting. And then I didn't pick it up again until October of 2020. And that was pretty much by accident. I had bought a machine um, during COVID. My position was eliminated right at the same time, what I was doing right at the same time as COVID starting. And so I bought a sewing, a new sewing. I always had a sewing machine on hand to like be able to do like, you know, make my own curtains or something. So I knew the basics, Um, but I decided to buy a new sewing machine and to make masks. And then I never did it. And so we went to visit my mother, my mother-in-law and father-in-law in Spokane, Washington. We took the drive up. We were finally, you know, remember the beginning days of COVID, like none of us were going anywhere. So it was like this big event that we're going to go be with people, brought my new sewing machine. She helped me get it out. And then I just decided, okay, found some stuff, going to make a patchwork quilt. And I started making it and noticing like, Oh, my points. This was, I didn't even know they were called points at the time, but I started noticing that I was really wanting to make that precise, those four pieces of fabric to come together perfectly. And my mother-in-law was like, why are you obsessing over this? I said, I don't know, but it is giving me some sort of satisfaction that I'm going to just keep doing this. So while I was there, and so I, and I thought, gosh, I really enjoy this. Like there was something that was happening in my brain when I was doing that. And I am, I am an intense person. I am not a person that anybody could believe that I could sit and have the patience for quilting, but for whatever reason, 
points became my love. And so I had been looking online. I didn't know there was such a thing as patterns for quilts. I thought you just made them up yourself. No idea. So I did a little Google um, of patterns and I found, lo and behold, I found Brittany. It's Brittany. Found, lo and behold, Suchery. And she had, um, I don't know if she still has it out anymore. Tribal Song, I think was the name of the pattern. I can't remember, but my mother-in-law bought it for me. And I couldn't figure out what to do with fabric. I had nowhere to go to like whatever. So then she had a Nightingale release and I decided, oh, I think I'm going to try this. And I found um, Victoria from Midlife Quilter. I found her shop somehow. I actually don't remember how I found it. Ordered some fabric and decided to make the Nightingale quilt. So that was my first patterned quilt that I made. Um, and had a great time. You know, I had no, nothing in my head about doing a business. It was just me like, you know, having something to do during COVID. And then in California at the time, the lockdown kind of came back on around Christmas. So we decided not to travel for Christmas and got all done. And I went through that same process and I was sending my mother-in-law pictures like, oh, I just figured it out. This is a flying, you know, this is flying geese. And she said, your flying geese are perfect. What did you do? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I followed Brittany's direct. I have no idea. Um, so she offered to have it long-armed for me. And so I sent it up to her to have it long-armed um, at a place in Spokane, Washington. And when they got my quilt, one of the owners said, wow, this person's points are perfect. I haven't seen this. We see this very rarely. And I, Nancy called me from the store and I got on the phone um, with one of the owners. And she was like, I just want you to know, this is really good work. I'm so impressed. I was like, start crying. This is the first time <laughs> I've ever made a real quilt. Like, I just could not believe like I was getting this feedback. And then, yeah, so that kind of is what, it, and I, it, that's kind of how I got into it. And, um, and I've always wanted to have a hobby and I've always wanted to do art of some kind. And I've never been able to find anything I like, and I don't consider myself artistic at all. I didn't anyway. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And then I just fell in love with it. So then I did the, yeah, I'll let you guys ask, ask the yeah, next question. No, yes. Yeah. So the next thing was, uh, what was the dream or vision behind the Pasadena quilt studio? So yeah. then is that like, is that kind of, yeah, that's where I'm going to go with this. Yeah. 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 So I had been watching, um, so I got into the Instagram community and I basically, I don't remember how I found anybody. So I wish I could remember, but I think I started following Brittany um, and from lo and behold, and um, I was following Victoria and just started kind of paying attention to what other people were doing. And I think that a quilt along had happened or testers, people were sharing tester photos and I found out about testing. And so I just started thinking like, Ooh, I could try testing. Um, maybe I could do that. And I thought, okay, so if I'm going to do this, how am I going to pick colors? How am I going to I feel like I want to theme this because I needed more than just, you know, I did the lo and behold one. Basically I didn't have any purpose for Nightingale. I just, I love, I want to do kind of rose gold colors and Huntington hospital here in Pasadena is pinkish. It's a pinkish color. And so I kind of thought, Ooh, this is kind of like Huntington hospital and kind of thought about how this kind of flows together. And so then I decided I'm going to base all the things I make off of landmarks in Pasadena. And Pasadena is known for some of some of the greatest architecture in the world. Um, we have the Rose Bowl here. We have a place called Millionaire's Row, where it basically Pasadena was founded as a winter home spot for people from New York. So like the Wrigley Brothers and Parker Gamble people and all back in the early 1900s. 
um, they all would build these huge houses here so they could come here and be warm during the winter. And that's kind of how Pasadena got established um, based and the architecture is just beautiful. Um, one of the first green and green, which is the, I think it might even be the first, um, the architects that created the Craftsman home were here. There's a Frank Lloyd Wright home here. Um, and then we've got Caltech and we have the Rose Bowl and we have the two or three different museums. So it's really just beautiful. And I thought, what a perfect way for me to, you know, make decisions on to find inspiration. Cause I thought, I don't even know how to find inspiration. And so that's kind of what happened. Um, and I ended up doing a test for, um, a person and I designed my first, my colorway and Victoria helped me with this, uh, after um, a house that's called the gamble house. And it's the house where, um, Back to the Future was filmed. It's where Marty McFly's, um, where Doc Brown lived. And it's like a really famous, it's a famous piece of architecture. And so I based my colorway off of that. And so it was like, this is my Gamble House quilt. And then I did another quilt where this is my Pasadena City Hall quilt. In Pasadena City Hall, some people will recognize it. It's um, the City Hall that's used in the show Parks and Rec. It's the one that's on the outside. So I've actually seen... I've, I've actually walked through, I walked through a production once and saw Rob Lowe and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, which is like one of the highlights of my life is seeing Rob Lowe in person. <laughs> he probably seems way old to you guys, but anyway, so that's kind of where I got the vibe of like the Pasadena feel. And so I called myself Pasadena Quilter and just decided to go from there. And then I started thinking, watching people do all these businesses. And I thought, what if I opened a fabric store? Like, what if I, you know, what could I do? Um, and that's just kind of how it started. I just decided I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to try it. Had a little bit of money in my pocket and I um, decided to launch it. I mean, it really was, it, it, I, it's still crazy to me that I did it, to be honest, because I just thought I'm going to give it a go. And um, I hired somebody to do my branding and she based it all off of, Pasadena ish. So like my, my um, logo has curves. It has set it's four sets of, I can't remember what the name of the actual block is, but, and those curves are based off the Colorado street bridge, which is known for having curves. And yeah. So I just, I just leaned way into it and just went, I took a course. I did take one business course on it, but I found that even with that business course, I knew a lot about business just from what I had done and experienced. So that was kind of the vision. And then the vision for what I wanted to bring to the quilting community is for me, I realized that quilting was art and I'd never thought that way. And I said, oh my gosh, am I finally an artist? Do I finally have something artsy that I'm doing that I've longed for my entire life? I used to cry when I was a little girl, when it was time to turn an art project because I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't have that natural artisan instinct and when I started pulling colors together, I got a lot of feedback. Wow, I would have never thought to put those colors together. I would have, you've just got such an eye for color. And I was like, I do? Really? I don't know. So I decided I wanted my whole theme of my store to be about artisans um, coming to quilt, which is where I came up with, I think my brother and I came up with the word as a joke. And now it's one of my brands. It's called Quiltisan, which is putting together an artisan and a quilter. So that's just kind of how I... Wanted to, I wanted quilters to be able to see this as more than just a patchwork quilt that your grandma made that you're learning from her. I wanted people to be able to really embrace the art, the artistic side of quilting. And that even if you 
can't design a pattern yourself, putting those pieces of fabric together is a form of art. And I really wanted to celebrate that in my store, which is basically the whole point I started doing it. So I wanted other people to have that aha moment as I did of like, wow, I'm actually kind of an artist. <laughs> like it really, I never thought of myself as an artist. And we live in a um, art center colleges here. Like I live in an artistic community and our friends, we have a friend who's a landscape architect and friends that are art teachers. And, you know, so we're surrounded by artisans ourselves. And um, it was like, wow. And all of them were like, yeah, it's art. What you're doing is art. I think yeah. up until maybe like our, maybe like Gen Z generations, I think artists had a kind of negative connotation and like yeah. you would have to struggle if you pursued that pathway. It wasn't super bright and shiny like you thought. And so at least for me growing up, I think it was talked down a little bit. And then that kind of divided the kids that were artistic and had creative abilities and the ones that just enjoyed being creative. And I think there's just... Yeah decades and generations of people that don't like give themselves permission to consider themselves creative because they yeah. weren't quote artists growing up. Yes, and exactly. I, I see that so much with quilters specifically. We're like, oh, I'm not good at this. And it's like, well, you don't have to be a famous painter to be really great at quilting and loving it. So, yeah, I think that too, I mean, kind of bouncing off of that is I realized I've always been a person trying to find the right job. And I do have ADHD. I talk about it a lot with all my friends. Um, but I realized that even the way I think about business is creative. And I never thought about it as creative. Like it, it didn't dawn on me that I had any creativity at all until I started working and doing these things. It's like, oh, the fact that I thought of this very unique way to maybe write or maybe promote this kit or whatever is cr that's creative. And I didn't ever, I wasn't able to pull that together until I started doing quilting to see that that's, this is a creative avenue. And a lot of business is creativity, you know, like a, a lot of business is creativity. So it's, people are creating something. It's not just black and white numbers and, you know, business plans. It's like, there's a creativity that comes behind it that you have to have in order to actually have a business flourish, in my opinion. And, you know, CEOs and all the, the founders, they always have that kind of, even if it's just about a software that's, you know, for crunching numbers, there's still creativity in their brain happening about how to make that happen, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So without yeah. discounting how successful you've been, mm -hmm. what has been the downside of this business? Have you had any setbacks? Yeah. So for me, um, I did not know, I was warned, but I did not know how physical this job would be with cutting fabric. Like I just had no, uh, and I didn't know how long each thing would take to cut. And I, so for me, I, um, I had a very successful launch and I need to credit my friend Brittany from Lo and Behold for that as well. She had her deco quilt along was the fall that I launched and Pasadena is known for um, art deco, um, a lot of art deco architecture and the roaring twenties, a lot of stuff happened here. Like there's a lot of great Gatsby kind of houses and stuff. And so I actually reached out to her and said, Hey, I'd love to collaborate with you. And she sent me the, the mock-up file and I, you know, put it together mock-ups or whatever. Um, I just lost my train of thought. 
this is normal. Downsides. For me. The downsides. Downsides. <laughs> yeah. Downsides. So I had a lot of kids. So I was able to sell a lot of things and I couldn't keep up with the orders in the beginning because I just didn't have an idea of how much work it was. I just, I literally didn't understand because I had never, I hadn't even really been in a quilt shop because they had all been closed. So I, and we don't have any local here. I don't have any within 45 minutes of me. So I had never, I just didn't have any. So for me, I wish I would have had a better grasp on that. So that was probably the hardest thing for me is that I couldn't keep up with my ideas and what to do. I couldn't keep the physical side of it up, which is one of the reasons why I'm in the middle of pursuing. I have some major, I I had this issue before, but it's why I'm pursuing um, rehab of my lower spine because it's, it's been, this year has been extremely tough. And for people that are listening, they probably have noticed I'm very quiet on Instagram right now. I've taken a lot of breaks and it's all been because of my physical ailments. And so, um, that was probably the, I would say that's the biggest downside, downside, um, that I've experienced. Um, so I, and I don't even know how to prepare anybody to know, but, and again, I'm not 30, I'm 51. So there's also the reality, um, that it's just, it's laborious. It's a lot of laborious, a lot of laborious work, um, and takes time and it's hard on your body. So that would, I would say that's probably the biggest downside downside for me. I'm 30. Yeah. And after I quilt out just the pieces that I need for one quilt, oh, I, yeah. I need like a recovery day. Oh yeah. Like, I'm yeah. sore the next day. <laughs> and yeah. I think just yeah. multiplying that. And I don't know, I don't know how you guys <laughs> do that. <laughs> it's actually like a, yeah, like a fabric store. So with that, how have you shifted your business and niche down to better serve your customers and you and your energy? Yeah. So really, so we've had this year has been, and I shared a little bit about this. Um, so in addition, my, the back, the issues with my back really started to be very aggressive right before QuiltCon. And in fact, you guys met me when I was fully drug. I mean, I was on <laughs> all kinds of stuff that during that week, but um, yeah, so this, we've had a really, really hard year. I've had a hard year in knowing I still run my store out of my nine by 13 dining room. Um, and I'm pushing out a lot of product. And so I had, I made a decision. I actually made this decision even before I was so injured, but that I needed to niche down a lot because if I was, you know, until I could maybe get into a position to get into a store or something bigger, I just can't keep up on, you know, I had almost all the Konas at one point um, and all the AGF at one point colors, and I just had too many things. And so I had to make the decision. Okay. I had to look at my business and this is the first thing that they tell you in business school. And the first thing you read on any business course is to find your niche, which to me, I was like, my niche is ours and quilters. And I kind of was like, I need to have every single color so people can be artists. And I need, so that's why I like, Within two months of opening, I decided I was going to carry all Kona, all of the Konas. Um, and once that happened, and that was in November of 2021, I just lost control. I just feel like I lost control of my inventory. Um, it was chaotic. I never felt like I could promote efficient, you know, there's just too much happening. So I made the decision that I was going to niche down and do more of a quilt kit based business. And I actually decided that probably back in April, I'm trying to remember, um, and my whole plan for the summer was actually going to be to do some huge clearance sales, um, you know, kind of getting rid of basics and then really having a, my store have, I think I have like, I want to say a hundred quilt kits listed right now. So I was going to maybe 
like niche down the amount of quilt kits because normally with each release for a new for a designer I try to do six to ten kits um and so and that's my biggest seller I I sell probably 75 percent of what I sell are quilt kits maybe even more and then some yardage so it was like I need to if I could niche down to that and then have everything pre-cut because that's my other thing I can't give a two-day turnaround um I try with everything in me um, but n- normally I can't do that. So I want, so I decided I want to have pre-cut, you know, bundles and kits, maybe a teeny bit of yardage. So that way people can just order a kit and it's out the door instead of me cutting to order. So I made that decision back in April. And so this summer was going to be the summer of, you know, doing some really big, um, clearance and downsizing, and then actually, um, rebranding a little bit. But then my son, and I did share this um, in my stories a couple months ago, uh, my 22-year-old son who helps me with the store, he's he helps me cut. His best friend of 12 years um, died of a drug overdose um, June 10th. And so it really just, it rocked our whole family. Um, and all of our ability to kind of, we've been in grief. I mean, we're still grieving. Um, I could start crying, but I, I'm going to try not to. But it, start it, so where do you, we're already it, crying it, halfway there. Yeah. So it, it just rocked our world. Like it really, um, I had no idea. We've been, Jeremy, my husband was a pastor and our senior pastor lost his 16 year old son um, when my husband was a youth pastor. And we went through that about 20 years ago and it was devastating. And it barely prepared us to walk through this. Um, and my husband officiated the funeral. And so I, t- I put my store pretty much on a break, but this summer just got away from us. It just really became that. And then mid July, my back started really acting up again. And I was going to have an appointment with my spinal. I have a really good spinal surgeon. It was supposed to be the beginning of August and it just got pushed up to, I just had my appointment this last Friday. Um, but so that, that was kind of going to be my summer. And instead of me having that, like, woohoo, I'm going to relaunch, we're going to, you know, get on going. I just have been kind of on a hiatus. And um, by the time this airs, everybody will know this because I'm going to, I'm going to send out some emails and share with my customer base. Like, this is what's going on. And we're going to, I'm going to probably have a really slow September, October while I'm doing some of the rehab and some of the procedures they want to have me do. But yeah, I don't remember what the original question was, but um that really was my decision on niching down. And I, and I still believe a hundred percent that that's what I need to do because my customers want quilt kits. I mean, that's what I've learned in that. And that's what I love to do. It's my favorite thing to do is to put together a colorway and figure out from a pattern that I think is beautiful, figure out um, a couple different options for my different, you know, I have some customers that love one thing, some customers that love another thing. And um, I have my three, I have three colorways I try to focus on, which is my Pasadena Chic, Pasadena Boho and Pasadena Zen. And I kind of have my own little vibe for each of those. So that's really my nature of those three things. Um, but yeah, so that's been, that's my story. And that's a lot of information to digest, but, um, <laughs> it's just, it's really self-aware of you to recognize. And I, I don't know. I mean, I know, you know this, but I don't think you're out touting it and talking about how good you are at it, but your ability to niche and find those colorways, that's what people want. And people don't want everything. They want a company that does one or two things really, really well Mm -hmm. and focuses on those. It doesn't give away energy to the boutique 
quilt kit that they're not going to ever buy. They want to go to your shop and not be able to choose between all the things because they're all so beautiful and attractive to them. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's really, and I realized when I, um, I'm friends with Lindsay from Pear Tree and we talked at QuiltCon. And when I realized that there were two families running her business and we had about the same amount of products, I was like, what am I doing? It's just me. I have one person that occasionally comes in and helps me cut. I did hire an assistant. We can talk about that. Um, my friend, Olivia, I hired her to coordinate. I just was overwhelmed. Um, so she's been amazing. Um, and so I did hire an assistant during all this time, but I just realized like I can't do what some of these other shops are doing because it's just me and they're not doing a hundred quilt kits. They're only doing, you know, they're doing maybe 10 and then yardage. So, um, I'm really excited once I can get to a point where I can function fully again to get back on, you know, to really like get back to promoting and doing all that kind of stuff. But, um, so I know Olivia as well. She's just like absolutely a freak of nature. She is. has working with her just like really validated your like style in working and like kind of helped you accept that, accept the things that you can and can't do. Better. Yes. And she, what I love about her and I'm plugging her cause she's for, you know, she's for hire. So I'm going to plug her a little bit. <laughs> she just come like, I will le- literally two days ago, I left her four of those, you know, those messages you can send, um, talk messages through Instagram, like 50 second messages that were just me rambling. Like, I don't even know if anything came out that was like made any sense. I just, you know, like, and she was able to pull all that together and <laughs> respond to me like I'm really glad about this okay this sounds good this sounds good she just she works with me where I'm at and she gets it and um I have not always had that experience but even with working with um students that worked for me when I was in higher ed and I had assistants like they would just stare at me like who is this person rambling on and Olivia just clicks she just gets it and I know that she works with so many different personalities and so many different types of business that anyway she's really really good and it's um it's really, really helped. Um, I wish I could just hire her full time, to be honest. And Lacey's just have brain her works move like in. That too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a good assistant. It's, a, it's been yeah. a godsend. <laughs> I, I just, I thought I would, like, my brain always thought I was. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I being somebody else's assistant? I can't even keep my own stuff in control. I need an assistant. You know, it just, it just is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to anyone experiencing burnout in their own life? Um, okay. This is kind of fun. I had this epiphany. So I started watching, there's a new documentary. It won't be new by the time this airs, but there's a documentary on Netflix that just came out about, um, the blue zone, which is people that live to be a hundred. Love that was what I was going to say. I was digging. (laughs) Yes. We, I watched all of it in one sitting yesterday and, um, and with my journey to get my back fixed and all these things I'm on and being my age and, um, going through the change of life and, you know, all those things. I'm like, okay, what's the next 50? I want to live another 50 years. So what's the next, what I'm on a journey. I'm on a health journey right now, overall health, not just to maybe lose 20 pounds or whatever. I want to feel strong in my body. I want to get, you know, training for what I need to do. I want to be eating healthy. And I don't remember which culture it was. So basically this, this documentary series, it's, there's four or five, I can't remember different communities all over the world who, for whatever reason, how they're living. And it's not something they're trying to do. It's just how they're living. They have the most centurions in that area. And 
one of the things, and I've heard this throughout my life in any, in diet books or whatever, diet culture says this too, but the 80-20 principle where it's like you have 80%, have 80% of what's on your plate and wait 20 minutes and then have the 20% or be really rigid and strict with your diet 80% of the time and then 20% of the time, whatever. From Okinawa, harahachibu, which you may have heard of before, is basically translated to stomach 80%. And that is to eat until you're 80% full. Eating until you're 80% full, eating slowly, eating mindfully, that's gonna give your body a little bit more time to catch up and tell your brain that you're starting to get full and maybe you should stop eating. And as I was watching that yesterday, I thought, what if we thought about that with burnout? Where it's like, I'm at 80% capacity of feeling exhausted right now and you stopped right then instead of pushing yourself to full 100% burnout. And for me, I go, go, go until I stop. Um, I, I will either be able to sit and watch whole Netflix and sit on the couch for two days and just watch Netflix all day long for two days, or I'm going to reorganize my whole house, redesign my whole studio, you know, make five quilts, whatever it might be. And I just, I had that epiphany yesterday watching these people in these little communities talking about their lives. And I thought, I need to do that for burnout. Like when I saw your guys' questions, I thought that could relate to burnout where it's like you, you know, kind of figure out when you're at 80% and then stop and give yourself a break. So you're not to the point where you're 100% exhausted because then your body goes into stress levels and you have cortisol, you know, all the different cortisol and all the different things that happen in somebody's body. And for me, the older I get, the more I realize I don't bounce back the way I used to. Quilt took it out of me. Spiral. She's still remembering. It was like six weeks. I was in therapy after it for other reasons, but it it really did take a lot. Like it was emotionally a lot. It did. And I loved it. Like it was for me, it was like, I loved it. And it's the same thing happened to me. I came home and for two weeks, I barely did anything. I was like, (laughs) what is wrong with me? I was so energized. And it does change as you get older. (laughs) Yeah. So. I don't know. I think that, and I think in this industry, especially, I mean, all industries are like this, but we are in a, whatever part of the, of the wheel that you're in, in the quilting industry, it's busy and it's, um, and a lot of it's physical and, and people that are writing panels, I know that's another mental kind of, you know, thing that they're experiencing. But I, I feel like with this drive, you know, all of us are so driven right now to make these really successful businesses. Um, not everybody, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's this drive to make these successful businesses. And I think to really understand yourself and what success is and to look at the bigger, you know, the bigger picture of your life and where you're at. And, you know, and some people have reached out to me, how do you do this? I said, well, my children are grown. And if you're trying to start a store when you have a baby or you have kids in my goodness, elementary school, when you're running them to music practice and you're doing baseball and you're the the team mom and you're, you know, all of those things that I've done, like I could have never done this when I was, when I had kids that age, Mm -hmm. um, there's no way. And so I try to like, when people ask me, I'm like, you need to look at your whole life and what you want your whole life to look like, Mm -hmm. because, um, when you have your own business, it can take your whole life. It will take your whole life. So like to really figure out where your priorities are within that. And so, and that's for me, I realized I was, I was aging myself even more by working and working and working and not, not being realistic about what I could do. And my first step was hiring an assistant. I mean, that was the first thing that helped, but like now I'm like, okay, new business plan. 
how can I get to what I want to make without killing myself basically yeah. without making myself sick um, or injured. And it, it's legit. And, it, and um, yeah. 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 So great. It's like, do you want to sell all of this product or do you want to be able to walk when you're 65? <laughs> exactly. You and, and I have to say, I've been waiting um, this summer because I really thought I would have to close. Um, I think I've talked to you two about that too. I've had moments where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I have to close. I can't keep up on it. The overhead cost is pretty high. And so I need to be pushing product and being current and making sure I'm having all the latest fabric lines, you know, all those different things. So then you need to have money to be able to do that. And I went through that whole cycle. And um, so I was waiting to talk to the spinal surgeon um, to find out from him, like, is this a job I can do? And he actually said, yes. He said, no, you can do this job, but we need to, you need limitations and we need to get you strong. And then he said, you are never to lift more than 25 pounds. And I added up how much a bolt weighs and what I've been moving stuff around. And I've been moving 40 pounds every day here and there, just throwing it, you know, lifting up 10 to 15 bolts at a time and moving them. And it's like, well, no wonder I'm not taking care of myself. Like (laughs) this is silliness, you know? So, um, so I'm excited to say I'm not closing because there was a point where I thought at my two years, I'm going to just close because I can't keep up on it, but I'm going to do what it takes to make this reasonable for me. And then if one day I can get into a bigger, the bigger space, I'll expand at this point, but only at that point, but only when I can have a, you know, other people helping me. Cause it's, it's just a lot of work, but it's so much fun. That's the thing too, though. It's so much fun. Every time I'm packaging up a little package of stuff, I'm like, it's so pretty. I love doing this. <laughs> Your friendships are so entwined in it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite part about running it then? Like my favorite part to be honest, is um, putting together once they're cut. I love it when somebody else cuts and folds. Um, and I don't, and I'll kind of refold the kits, but as to, I make little quilt kit inserts on the top that go on the top of my quilt kits. Um, and um, my favorite part is to wrap it up with my little macrame and put my little thing on there and make it look pretty. Um, I want my customers to be able to open up a beautiful package um, and to have my, and that's my brand. Um, and I love that part of it. I really, really do. That's probably my one of my, I mean, it's hard to say a favorite. That's one of my favorites. Um, and then the other is just when I have a moment where I think of a new color combination for a specific pattern and it clicks, that's just the, the most fun. Like that's <laughs> I just, just got this pitter in my chest when you get just, that. <laughs> it's so much fun. And honestly, so many times it has happened without me trying. It's been, there's three bolts together. And I think, what could I do with that? And then I do the mock-up or I, put them together. And that's how Pasadena Chic, which is my favorite colorway came about. I was just playing around with um, the Sienna brick chocolate, toasty walnut, those colors of AGF. I was playing around with them and I was going to put them against a cream background or something. And I had a piece of evergreen was just sitting off to the side and I laid them against the evergreen. I was like, Whoa, (laughs) this could be cool. And so I made, I actually, that was one of the tests I did before I even opened and that's how that happened. It was a complete accident. It was just something I, and so, and those times are fleeting and I can't force them, but those aha moments when I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? It It's so much. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite. You feel like I miss quilting funny. though. I don't sew <laughs> as much as I used to. So I'm trying to like get that back into my practice. Cause it used to be that I would always make, like, I would try to make a sample for every kit. That's never going to happen. But um, 
I do need to do that. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <at least. laughs> um, so what, what would be your dream version of the business? What does that look like? So my dream, and I don't know that it's possible or that it would work, but my dream um, is to have a brick and mortar here in Pasadena that has a vibe of, it would have carry all the solids lines of all the different companies and I would have my quilt kits. And then part of my brand would be to have a quilt design line of home interiors. Um, for the Pasadena, there's a lot of wealth and old wealth in Pasadena. There's a lot of people that would walk into a quilt store and be like, this is a beautiful handmade quilt. I'll buy it. Um, so to kind of have a production team of people, um, and probably hire somebody to design for me because I'm not a designer, but to have like quilts and pillows and coats and, you know, all that kind of stuff as a secondary brand, um, that would be my dream. That's a lot of work. And, you know, I, yeah, take it, it. It would take another type of an investment to make that happen, but that's kind of what, and you know, that's kind of what I would love because I would love to go into a store like that myself. So that's just, you know, where you could go buy fabric, but you could also see finished items that are available for purchase. Like, I just think that would be so much fun. So that's kind of my dream. Um, and then I, you know, went even further with that. And like, what about if I went further and had other, you know, had a franchise where there's um, other cities where people are basing it off of the vibe of their city. So like Portland, you know, Portland Quilt Studio or New York Quilt Studio, you know, something like that, where since I was inspired by my city and that's what I'm basing my vibe off of is my city and my culture and my city and the landmarks of my city that people could do that in theirs, which people could do that right now because I'm sharing that as an idea, but um We'll see that you. would be a big, big Steal dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I just, I would love to do that, but that is, that's a big venture. So that's, yeah. ten, you know, that's five to 10 years away, if at all. But for now, I'm just working on getting healthy and niching down my brand and hoping in the next couple of years, I can get into some sort of, a, at least a warehouse so I can hire in more employees and have a little bit more to offer quicker production. Yeah. Yeah. Scaling, yeah. scaling is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it is. And that's, I, I went, I was very blessed that I grew very quickly when I opened, but I hadn't, I did not, I did not scale well. I did exactly what every business person tells you to scale slowly. <laughs> and I didn't, and I bought 385 new colors of fabrics and did all of that. And that it, for a year it just made me crazy. So it's like, you know, I, please listen to me out there. If you're going to start <laughs> any type of a business, please scale slowly. Please. That's a really big part of most of our conversations. It's like, well, this is a really cool idea, but can but. we do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. just because you can do it all doesn't mean you should do it all. I mean, that's I, exactly I feel like, right. I feel like that's where I'm stuck as I learned for so long for 10 years on how to do, I know how to do everything. And so it's like, well, what do I want to do? I want to do yeah. it all, but you just can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- and I think too, uh, that find the things that you love to do. And then as many things, once you get to a point where you can afford to have somebody help you, I have, you know, Olivia manage the things that don't bring me as much joy. that aren't necessarily in my skill, my strengths, you know, work off your strengths, but that's a whole nother topic <laughs> I could talk about, um, is there's a test called the, the Gallup Strikes Finder. And I'm actually certified in it through, um, one of the schools I work for, but it just, the whole focus of it is like not trying to make, to fix your weaknesses, but really trying to focus on where your strengths are and work from that instead of always focusing on what you're weak at. 
And that's one of the things that I think is really important for small businesses to do as well is that if you do have the opportunity to hire out a little bit of help, have it be something that either is taking too much of your time or you just don't want to do and focus on things you do want to do. And you're going to have a lot more joy in your life. Like you just really, and you'll be more successful, I believe as well, because you're using your strengths to, to grow. Yeah. Well, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Oh, and thank you. Sorry. So Did you guys want to say anything? <laughs> Did you want to say anything? We'll actually just edit all of our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Edit yourself in some talking. Okay. Since I rambled <laughs> no, this whole it's time. So good. It's so great. It's so inspirational. Um, we'll of oh, course be linking all of your Instagram handle information and your website in the show notes. Um, and you guys can go get your shopping on at Jen's shop. Yeah. Uh, it should be airing right in time for Halloween. your your delayed birthday oh, yeah. celebration. Yeah, I I do believe it's gonna be somewhere mid-October, late October. So Perfect. yeah, we'll have a we'll we'll make that work to have a nice fun awesome. sale with some pre-cuts and then make sure I can keep up on the orders and yeah. 100%. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? I just want to say for my customers that are listening, thank you so much for allowing me to do this for all the designers and people that have collaborated with me. Thank you so much. And my apologies to everybody as well. When shipping takes a little bit longer, when I'm not as quick to reply to an email, you know, all those kind of things. Like I've, I just have had nothing. I've never had a mad customer. So I, I just feel like I just have been so embraced in this community and people are like taking me for who I am and what I can do. And so, yeah, thank you everybody. Um, it's been really fun and come visit, come visit my shop online for now, maybe one day. In a city near you. <laughs> so in the theme of your city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Um, I love Jenna so much. No, I love Jenna so much. I'm so glad you guys got to listen and meet our friend. We haven't, we've only met that one time, like we said, yeah. and it just feels like I have known her my whole life. And we became super fast friends. It's mm-hmm. it's a really special friendship. And I love Instagram for, like, just facilitating these types of relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that she, um, in the older generations, you know, she started her company two years ago. Just being able to, just to jump in and then to be so brave to come out and say, you know what, I need to take a little bit of a break. But not quite giving it up yet. Like, yeah. really proud of her. I know it's really cool on both sides I think I know our listeners get a little not heated but just I know our listeners are sensitive to being called quote the older generation um and I know aging is hard and something that we're all just walking through and figuring out but it's really um heartening to just know that at this stage of my life when I have little kids at home and I can't go to the bathroom without being touched, and there's little fingers under the door at all moments of the day, that I have something to look forward to. Um, You know, I think I feel just like that I'm, quote, just doing mom stuff and not able to get my, like, dreams accomplished and my creative outlets and those itches scratched all the time. And sometimes I can be really really hard on myself for having those feelings um because i 
on the other hand, I do know that I need to slow down and enjoy it because it's not going to last forever. I'm constantly reminded. Um, but there is something to look forward to. And if I also wait until I'm 50 to launch all the things I want to do, that that will be okay. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think if you're on the other side, that this was a good conversation and reminder that, yeah, you, you can, you're not do it. too old. Like, go, <laughs> go do it, lady. Go, go do go it. Go do it, dude. And I think our next episode talks about generational friendships. Totally. And just kind of what that looks like yeah. in that realm. So. So thanks, Janice. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick reminder on the merch. You get a free sticker with any purchase of our merch items. So make sure you check that out. And we did extend it through the end of the year. Um, you can find me at Messy Quilts. And I am Ashlyn at Urban Dwell Studio. And Jenneth is at Pasadena Quilt Studio. We'll link all of this in our show notes. And (laughs) don't forget to catch us live every other Monday on Instagram. Thank you, guys. The Grateful Thread Podcast is created, hosted, and produced by Ashlyn Downs and Lacey Messerly. Our sound engineer is Nicholas Downs. Don't forget that we love reading those reviews on Apple Podcasts and that those ratings help other quilters find our community. So consider extending an invitation to one of our fun quilters in the Quiltiverse when you hit those five stars and you tell them about your favorite episode so far. And as always, if you didn't like it, You are welcome to be like Thumper and just not say anything at all. Bye, Threadheads.